Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, September 23rd edition of the Basement Academy. Sure glad for this basement uh, with all of the weather outside overnight and uh, through this morning. Uh, Good to gather around the scriptures for a few minutes, offer a prayer, offer some pastoral reflections on our world. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to do so. Psalm 113, uh, always enjoy this one. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of their people. He settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. It's a simple little psalm. It's joyful, From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, may the name of the Lord be praised. Um, It's it's inviting us to lift our eyes up. That was kind of the, the, the sense of last Sunday's message. In the midst of it all, praise God the Father, praise God the Son, praise God the Holy Spirit. This notion of God being exalted and yet stooping. This is what sets our faith apart. This is, this is the true faith. That the God who made the heavens and earth came to us in the person of his son Jesus, Jesus the Christ. And that Jesus then stooped. <laughs> he knelt down, he washed feet. And then he stooped in his death, uh, his, his, the humiliation of, of a death on the cross. And in that way, entering into our suffering, our pain, he lifts us. He raises us. He raises the poor from the dust and seats them with princes. And so the Pauline theology, we we looked at this in Ephesians in our Basement Academy studies. He has raised us up and seated us with Christ in the heavenlies. And so I think Paul perhaps may have Psalm 113, this this image. And so thanks be to God who enters the, the, the mess of human history, the mess of brokenness and injustice, the division between Jew and Gentile. Um, he enters this world and he transforms it. And so this is what we believe. This is how we as Christians think differently about these issues of race and discrimination and injustice and poverty. We think there is an answer. We just don't think the world offers the answer, that God alone is the one who who provides the answer for. So kind of wrapping up uh, uh, several weeks of of thoughts, Uh, what is critical race theory? And if critical race theory is not the answer, then, then what is? And so I've been trying to extend some thoughts about this. 
it, it does feel, shared this uh, earlier in the week, it, it feels like these answers are inadequate. They don't seem to bring about transformation of our society. But here's what I want to say. In matters of race and discrimination and injustice and poverty, these, these intractable, what we sometimes call systemic problems, not only of our society, but of the world, always be an advocate for love, always be an advocate for truth, always be an advocate for justice. This is how God has made us. This is what God intends for us. Always be an advocate for love. Faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. If I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, if I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It, it, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love is patient. It is kind. It always trusts, always hope, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so Paul, the same Paul who was the persecutor of uh, Christians, became persecuted himself as the apostle. But he writes this tender, thoughtful expression of what it is God is doing. And so one way of looking at critical race theory and concern for um the ills of our society and say, do they promote love? Not easily angered. When people fly off the handle, when people accuse others of things that they have not done, love is not promoted. Love is not at the heart of that. And so be an advocate for love. Be concerned for the suffering of others. Absolutely. Let there be kindness. Let there be compassion. Let there be mercy. Let there be tenderness. So when we hear of the need of someone in Arena 1, Arena 2, that is where we live or in our community, where we can do something, let us be engaged. Love moves towards these needs. But love does not accuse people who have done no wrong of wrong. And so often <laughs> white people are accused of doing something they have not done. I have not engaged in some act of violence towards some person. And, and so this attempt to paint an entire uh, race of people uh, as as wrongdoers is itself wrong. And so we're advocates for truth. And so we speak the truth that all are image bearers and we rejoice in that. And so we, we lift up the dignity of every human being. That others do not lift up the dignity of every human being does not lay it then at my feet. <laughs> I advocate for the dignity and honor of every human being who bears the image of our glorious God. And we also affirm the reality, sadly, that every human being who bears the image of God has also fallen short of the glory of God. Even those who are victims of the wheels of society or victims of a hard life, uh, 
they too are sinners, as I am a sinner. And so I do not deny that I am a sinner, that I can form moral tribes and ideological tribes and I can, can be harmful towards others. Of course I can, but all of us are. So we're advocates for truth in this conversation, in this society-wide, culture-wide discussion. We affirm the, the honor of all people, we, we, we affirm the fallenness, the brokenness of, of all people. And so we're advocates for truth. And that's what these studies have attempted to be, is to try to slow the train down in all the furor, furor over critical race theory in our society and school boards and corporate trainings. It's like, yeah, these things are happening and they're going to keep happening, Right? <laughs> We need to patiently understand what is this thing, where does it come from, what it proposes, how it tries to explain, what it seeks to engage by way of action and ethics. We then find it wanting when we evaluate it against the, the wisdom of Scripture and the truth of Scripture. But we then seek to respond, okay? And so always be an advocate for justice. But justice is not simply a horizontal uh, reality. There's a vertical component. Be reconciled to God, Paul writes. Now is the day of salvation. <laughs> get reconciled, get right with God through Jesus Christ, and then you will see differently. You will learn to see others differently and you will understand that what God is doing through Jesus Christ is he is reconciling the world. He is justifying all things. He is making all things right. And so that Romans 3 passage uh, that we looked at. And so we do pursue justice, but not a worldly justice. We pursue a godly justice that, that joins people to Jesus Christ, that then understands that in Christ, we are transcending skin color. We are transcending um, ethnicity. We are transcending tribes and language. Jesus comes to purchase men and women, boys and girls from every people, language, tribe, nation. And, and so we rejoice in that. And we don't back away from that. And we acknowledge there continues to be a brokenness in the world as I ended yesterday. I wonder if that's actually these persistent, intractable realities that plague not only our own society, but all societies are intended by God to point out the futility of the human project. We think we can live apart from God. We think we can solve life. We think we can do this thing apart from God. Nope, you cannot. And I think uh, Jeremiah chapter two, uh, the prophet says, speaking of Israel, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, which cannot hold water. And there summarizes kind of the folly of the human condition. Turning away from God, that's what happened in the garden, right? You cannot, if we're an advocate for truth, then we must keep human sin in view in all of these discussions. So, so Adam and Eve turn away from God and then they find themselves 
in a place that doesn't work. And so they attempt to make life work on their own and develop strategies that ultimately leak. That is, they don't hold water, they don't solve, they don't, they don't um, make uh, things better. <clears throat> and so, so we must always be advocates for love, for truth, for justice. We want to see the world set right. We believe God is setting the world right and we need to, we'll talk about that in just a moment. In times of dispute and disagreement, particularly around critical race theory in our society, to the degree that we move towards people we disagree with, and, and most of us don't do that very well. Most of us stay in our little silos, our little tribes, our little like-minded, and unfortunately, that's not helpful. And so let me urge you not to do that. Let me urge you to be in conversation, be in relationship with people who think differently than you do about these things which means family members, right? <laughs> and co-workers and neighbors and others. Don't, don't simply retreat to the, the small ideological silo. So where there's dispute and disagreement, be thoughtful, be wise, uh, be patient, be forbearing. Recognize that we're all a different part of, of the journey of understanding. Be kind. There's no reason not to be this way. But there's no reason to be mean. We don't have to be dismissive. We don't have to be haughty or snarky. Um, we ought not be contemptuous or suspicious of others. We understand that we're God's people. We're, we're, we're apprentices of Jesus. And so Jesus moved outside of the familiar pathways. Got him criticized. And okay, we might get some criticism, but, but move towards those. And, and as we do so, be thoughtful, uh, be, be Listen to what others say. Be teachable. Be open to, to, to think about life differently than, than you've understood. This is the value of learning and listening to the stories of others, those who've suffered, uh, listening to historical uh, experiences, to break our hearts that there would be people in our society or any society, but, but certainly in American society, who would feel like their society is ganged up against them. It just breaks my heart. I, I don't, I have not experienced that. There are times I feel like, yeah, why don't they answer my call the way I want to? I've had some interaction with the IRS and my mother's accounts and things like that. It's like, ah, but everybody's just doing their job. Okay, so don't, don't play the victim, right? So listen, be teachable, listen to the suffering and sorrow. There may be places where, you know, folks have fallen into a false victimhood. I suspect that's always true. That's what the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve do along the way. In dispute and in disagreement on these things, always think Christianly. And I like that phrase, think Christianly. I don't think there's just one Christian perspective. We need to think biblically, think theologically. That's, that's what I mean by that. Keep Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 close by, always. Made in the image of God, yet fallen. Okay, this kind of, um, uh, the blessing and burden of, of being human. The blessedness and the, and the, and the burdenness. It's probably not a word. Um, 
it's important to do that because it, it, it's easy to get sucked into not biblical theological thinking, not Christianly thinking, but politically, thinking politically. You know, my team, my red team or my blue team and what's the party line for my red team or blue team. And if you don't say the right words, I'm going to look at you as the enemy from a political uh, framework. Don't do that. We need to think Christianly. We see those we might disagree with with honor and dignity who bear the image of God. We recognize them as fallen like we are. We recognize we're in disagreement. And so let us do what scripture calls us to be patient, to be kind, to be forbearing, okay? All bear the image of God. All fall into sin and tumble into tribalism. I do it, you do it, as do others, okay? And so we stay in that place. At the end of the day, he's been thinking about critical race theory for probably what, six or seven weeks now, right? Because we had that one one week, I guess, in between. Um, let's not be fooled. You know, if you step back, I, I, I'm not I'm not trying to be snarky, not trying to, to be mean, but the advocates of critical race theory are onto something. They're recognizing something's broken in the world and they're, they're advocating some solution. But let's not be fooled. That is not the solution. We can see already the fruit of this effort is generating animosity and anger and division. And it's, 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 going to lead the, some of the unintended consequences appears just the early returns are it's leading to segregated spaces it's leading to a, a resegregation of looking people at the color of their skin whereas you look at the, the the vision of martin luther king jr and the way that influenced people white people in particular to not judge by the color skin, but by the content of the character and to recognize all people. So King's was a, 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 a biblical Christian vision, a nonviolent vision. And yet it, it seems that, again, critical race theory, sadly, is, is accusatory. Um, one, of, one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s most powerful, powerful sermons, uh, you need to go read it, would be, it was on uh, love your enemy. And basically he's preaching to those of color, right? His congregation and, and, and the, the, the black community. And when he talks about turning the other cheek and loving your, na- uh, loving your enemy and, and not, not, not raising up a fist and, and you know, receiving, if, if it means that we have to as Jesus did, he loved the world so much that he was willing to die. That, that, that grieves the conscience to, to, to when somebody is protesting in a nonviolent way and then they're, they're harmed, that, 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 that struck at the conscience of so many people. And, and it's because it's the Christian way. It's the way of Jesus Christ, Right. And so critical race theory is not advocating such, sadly. Uh, it's, it's going to lead to violence, sadly. Uh, violence with words, violence uh, with actions. Um, so let's not be fooled into thinking that critical race theory, 
critical theory in general, the Marxist vision of, of dividing the world into uh, the oppressors and the oppressed, do not be fooled into thinking that that is going to solve human problems. It does not. Never has, never will. Half-truths are half-wrong. <laughs> and so the degree to which critical race theory is speaking to things that are true to discrimination and, and racism, they're still not getting at the root of it. The root of it is a spiritual problem. And so we ought not be fooled and we ought not expect too much. Okay? God has a solution for racism. The scriptures offer a solution for racism, for division and discrimination, because the scripture themselves describe this long hostility this animosity between Jew and Gentile. There was a hatred between the two groups. And God's plan is that now through the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's eternal purpose was to make out of the two groups one new humanity. That's Ephesians chapter 2. That when people are get right with God. There is justice that happens in the vertical sense. God justifies us in relationship with him. We acknowledge our sin, our acknowledge our need for the Savior, that we ourselves are perpetrators of harm and evil and darkness and sin in this world. And I say, God, have mercy on me. I begin, as I receive the Holy Spirit, I begin to look at people differently. And I understand that God's plan is to reconcile me to other people, particularly those who don't look like me or sound like me, weren't born where I was born. And so from every people, language, tribe, and, and tongue, God is reconciling. So God has a solution. That's plan A. There is no plan B. We are not going to see justice in the world apart from Jesus Christ. And so God has a solution. And I put uh, perhaps a little bit somewhat with some some sarcasm. It is not critical race theory. That is not God's plan for the redemption of the world. God's plan for the reconciliation of the world is not critical race theory. God's plan uh, to, to restore humanity is not found in critical race theory. It is found in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the fact that that sounds so strange and if we were to try to make that argument out into the public arena, that that would be so awkward and so weird that just illustrates how far we are from how far we have fallen and so this is the challenge of the church this is the work of the church but the church then lives and exists as that alternative society that increasingly will look weirder and weirder to this world as CRT and gender identity and all these identity politics are taking hold, this cultural tsunami, there's a, there's a, a way that, that the elites and the power structures and the systems and the institutions of our society are, uh, are beginning to operate with a different ideology and a different framework, forsaking our constitutional framework, was bet, which was grounded on this Judeo-Christian framework of rights uh, and, and responsibilities. So as this new thing is taking over our society, increasingly Christianity is going to look weirder and weirder, and it's going to need to function in, in a greater sense of being alternative to the society. 
And so Rod Dreher is talking in his Benedict Option and Live Not By Lies, a couple books that he's put out recently, that the, the church is going to have to come to grips with and Christians are going to have to come to grips with this fact that we're going to be oddballs increasingly in our society. <clears throat> and so we're not going to change the society. That, that's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We need to understand that. So don't expect too much. We, Christians are not going to change society. We're in a post-Christian society. We are going to live alternate and alternative life to our American society. We're going to be exiles. We're going to be in this world, but not of this world. And so that's increasingly uh, how we are going to be living. And so part of the challenge is that people have forgotten God. I think it was Solzhenitsyn. Who, who, what is the problem with the West? People have forgotten God. It's just that simple. People have forgotten God. <laughs> uh, there's no fear of God before their eyes. It's the language of, of the psalmist. People, including Christians, ignore God's purposes. Many don't know what God's purposes are because they have not read the scriptures. They don't know the Savior but they're not without excuse, okay? Because uh, Romans chapter one says, you can go out, you can behold God's power and majesty in creation. And that bears witness to the conscience. God has made us this way that his creation would bear witness to us so that men are without excuse. He says, well, I, I don't know about God. Nobody told me about God. Well, go outside, look at that mountain, look at that sunset, <laughs> look at that rainbow. You know, there is something that bears witness with the human spirit that there is a God, there is, there is one to pursue, one before whom we are accountable. Sadly, Christians themselves have forgotten the purposes of God. We've ignored the purposes of God. And so this is a call. I think this, again, this critical race theory and the, the challenges of our society are a call for us to return, to come back. I'm going to close with just a, a short reading from James chapter 3 that contrasts, again, this is written 2,000 years ago, contrasts two forms of wisdom, kind of a worldly wisdom and then a godly wisdom. So James chapter 3, who, verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So do you hear that? Who's wise? Who's understanding? Show it. In deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. <clears throat> but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. I would offer to you that what we see in critical race theory and all of the anger and all of the bitterness and all of the accusations 
the sweeping accusations and generalizations of, of people is reflective of this earthly ambition. You've got pie, I want pie. There's envy, there's selfish ambition. Is CRT identifying that there's a brokenness in the world? Absolutely, so do we. We have the truth on that. We say the world's broken and here's why it's broken. It goes all the way back to the beginning. And so Christianity, the Christian answer, it's pure, it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, ooh, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And so may we be those who are characterized by such a godly wisdom, a heavenly wisdom. It's going to take work, friends. It is going to take a lot of work. It is hard work to be in the world, but not of the world. It's hard work to, to keep oneself free from the world, but then to engage with the world. It's hard to think our way through this. It's hard in dispute and disagreement to be kind and thoughtful and wise and patient and forbearing. It's hard to listen. It's hard to be teachable. So what? Just because it's hard doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Okay, so let us not ignore the purposes of God for the salvation and redemption of the world. Let us locate those in Jesus Christ. And then let us rise up and be about the work of being the hands and feet of Jesus in our communities, in our world, so as to bear witness that, as Peter said, abstain from uh, those sinful desires that wage war with your souls, exiles and strangers. Live such good lives among the pagans so that when they see your good deeds, they will glorify your God in heaven. Let people know that we are Christians by the love we have one another. And so let our lives be marked by that in such a way in this discussion, in this cultural moment that will continue. So friends, we'll stop talking about this tomorrow on Friday, but we're, the CRT doesn't go away. The challenges will be with us. For, for probably for generations, okay? Let's close now and then we'll, we'll finish up tomorrow uh, with, with another uh, maybe closing reflection to, to try to bring this home. So Father, hear our prayers and make us into such people who are characterized by this heavenly godly wisdom and let us not ignore your purposes and let us always be advocates for love, justice, and truth. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever ever. Amen. Mm. May God shower as the rain is falling outside. May God cause his wisdom, this heavenly wisdom to, to rain upon you and the love and, and peace and justice and mercy of Jesus Christ to fill you this day and forevermore. Amen.